All right, let's do this. Let's do this on a Friday. It is locked in. Tyler McComas, no Parker Thune today. Josh Helmer will be joining me for the next hour as we talk everything OU recruiting, talk everything that's going on in the transfer portal, 24-25 class. Yeah, you know the drill. You know what we do this hour. But there are times when the biggest story in college football, well, that's got to be the lead today, even in a show that's centered around recruiting in the transfer portal. And, and Josh, I'm one of the many to think that November 23rd is going to be an awesome day in Norman. It's going to be awesome, man. OU in Alabama for the first time since 2002 on Owen Field, two Blue Bloods. Hey, we have shows sometimes where we debate who the six, seven, eight Blue Bloods are in college football. OU Alabama, you don't debate either one of those two programs being Blue Bloods. But as we know, Nick Saban's not going to be running out on the field leading Alabama when they're in Norman on November 23rd. Thought it might be Dan Lanning. Nah, he's staying at Oregon. Thought it could maybe be Mike Norvell. Apparently he's staying at Florida State. And a couple of other coaches as well. If you've been away from it from about 30 minutes or so, it looks like Alabama may be close to getting Kalen DeBoer to leave Washington to be the next head coach at the University of Alabama. So immediate reaction for everyone out there. How, like, what, what grade do we feel like Alabama gets for this hire? 405-651-3439. Like, Josh, there's just so much unknown for this hire for, for Alabama. And I, I'm not immediately saying that it's a bad one. The guy's won everywhere. He, he's been a head coach. I know that hasn't been a ton of stops, but he's 104-12 overall as a head coach, two-time Pac-12 coach of the year, 3-0 and against Lanning, who was reported the leading target in the search, 2-0 and against Sark, who may have been the second most likely initially to get this job, and then 2-0 and against Muleshoe as well. The guy is 12-2 and versus top 25 opponents. So the resume says, wow, he's really good. He took Washington all the way to a national championship game. But I'm going to bet on the text line and even nationally, there's a lot of unsure people about who Bama's about to hire. Well, and it's hard to believe that Kalen DeBoer was maybe the first choice. And so that uh, I think that factors in for a lot of people. The, the track record is good. And uh, obviously, you know, everywhere he's been, he's been successful. So we'll see. I, I tend to think that out of all of the potential options out there, I feel like th- this isn't the most intimidating one. I, I don't think this is the best hire that Alabama could have made, but time will show on that. What, what an interesting time in uh, college football that Alabama is going to have a new leader moving forward. And it's, uh, it's not going to be Nick Saban, not going to be Nick Saban. But again, there are a lot of candidates for this job. There were. There were a lot of candidates for this job, including Dan Lanning and Steve Sarkeesian. And he's 5-0 and combined against those two. 5-0 and combined. Text line says DeBoer is a C-plus hire. Lack of resume. Bama is a 3-4 to loss team next year. Dang. 8-3-2 says it's a B-minus hire. 9-0-9 says this is a great hire. Successful everywhere he's been. This will not change at Bama he will hire or keep coaches who can recruit the South. And, and I will throw out the tired old line for the last 48 hours, but I, I think it's true. I think Kalen DeBoer is a really nice head coach. I think he's proven that at Washington, you know. They didn't need the heavy NIL approach to have their best season in over 30 years and make it to the national championship game. But here's the deal, Josh. You can be a good coach. You can be a really good coach. It's just going to be one of the toughest acts to follow that we've seen in college football history. So the guy can win, 
the guy can win 10 games next year. Hell, he could win 10 games his first year, 11 games in the second year. But if he didn't win a national championship in one of his first two years in Tuscaloosa, you know they're going to be PO'd down there and already looking for the replacement. That, so that, that's just going to be something that he can't control, but he's always going to be fighting with that job. And there's a good chance, even though Washington reportedly here, as would be expected, right, made a legitimate push here to try and keep him. They, they wanted to double his salary reportedly, according to Pete Thamel, from $4.2 million up to 8.4. Would have made him one of the 10 highest paid coaches in uh, the FBS. So they, Washington, tried to pay to keep Kalen DeBoer. But if things don't stay where they've been this year with Washington, which it's kind of easy to project that you're not going to recruit at the level that you – you overtake a wash uh, a Michigan in Ohio State, a Penn State in the Big Ten. You got USC coming with you into the Big Ten. You got Oregon coming with you into the Big Ten. So it's going to be tough for Washington to be the program that is the preeminent power in the Big Ten. So yep. that being said, they can double your salary. You can have some more job security there. But the chance to play for and win another national championship, which didn't win this one but played for it, this might be the chance to get to Alabama and the only chance in your in your career to do that. So I understand why it would be the, the opportunity that's maybe too good to pass up, even with all of the inherent risk, right, that comes with it and the fact that you're following Nick Saban. Sure. 405 says, B, going from a defensive-minded coach to an offensive-minded coach takes time to develop. 918, Dabo would have been the guy, but he won't change his ways which could be a huge turnoff for Bama. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think Dabo was the guy as recently as three years ago. I don't think they have a portal ad, man. Think about that today, man. Think about that right now. And it's not like this is Clemson coming off the 2016 National Championship, the 2018 National Championship, or even getting back there in 2019 when it was rolling and they didn't really need to use the portal to have a ton of talent on campus. Like Clemson has fallen off, man. And he didn't have, like, a commit from the portal. Like he's just totally refusing to acknowledge that it's there. Yeah, man. I, I said it yesterday, and I'll say it again today. I think Dabo might be the next uh, well-known college football coach to retire because of the way that the, uh, the sport was headed, unless things change significantly. And spoiler alert, I don't think things are changing significantly here in the uh, in the near future for college football. Let me read a couple more. Boomer Jim from Wisconsin says, A-plus. He would be my first choice if OU were to lose BV. Uh, Adam from Austin says this is probably the best hire they could have got. Wish they would have got Landing instead. Slim Brady says with the hire of DeBoer, I don't think the college football changes much besides Bama's downfall. Coaches likely aren't in a frenzy to have Washington players on their roster after what they will after after all they'll be leaving for the draft. And I, I, I think that there are some players that you would like to have on Washington, but. Yeah, Slim Brady, this wouldn't be like um, Sark leaving Texas and people trying to poach their entire roster. Like, Washington's got good players outside of Michael Penix, outside of McMillan, outside of Roma Dunze, but they're not, yeah, like their roster isn't one of the two, three most talented in the country. So I see what you're saying there. Like, Jock, this is a, like, just a question to you. Like, does this change your opinion whatsoever? about OU's chances in the SEC moving forward. Now that big, bad Nick Saban is gone, and they rolled the they rolled Toomer's corner in Auburn, they were so excited. 
radio host and Baton Rouge were screaming on air, yes, as soon as they saw the news that Saban was retiring. How much, if at all, does this change your opinion on OU's immediate success in the SEC? And when I say immediate, I'm talking like the first three to four years. I definitely think, at least until proven otherwise, and DeBoer, he's got, again, a decorated track record to this point that would indicate, okay, he can he can handle this job and be very successful. But until proven, you're talking about the, the dominant force in college football over the last 15 years he's gone. So the obstacle has been lessened for Oklahoma in the SEC. Until proven that it's still Alabama, yes, I think uh, I think the path has gotten easier for Oklahoma. Well, I mean, I look, I, I still think Alabama's going to be good next year, but do I think differently of Alabama next year, seeing as they're coming to Norman in late November? Do I think differently of Alabama today as I did four days ago? Yeah, I, 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 at least a little bit because Nick Saban's not going to be there. Now, maybe that could be a massive mistake, and Bama doesn't skip a beat, and Kalen DeBoer rolls in, and Jalen Milrose, a Heisman winner, and they're throwing it all over the place. One of the best rushing offenses in college football next year. I could be dead wrong about that. It could be a crap take. Wouldn't be the first time. But, yeah, I, I think um, I probably would have had Alabama in the national championship game next year, and I'm a little bit more – reserved on that now at least immediately and um we'll, we'll see man but Kalen DeBoer better recruit I, I think that he will recruit Bama in a lot of ways uh, recruits itself but this is a big big time job with uh, some big big uh, expectations as well but just gonna look different if Kalen DeBoer is finalized and you're looking over there and it's not Nick Saban it's uh it's someone else who man. I know this isn't nearly the same type of domino obviously what does Washington do? Is Ryan Grubb the guy? Yes. I th- isn't that being reported or at least thought that that's going to be the case? And that's, that, that seems like a pretty easy move there. No doubt. Seems natural. My, my whole thought was if he doesn't get the gig, then it's a slam dunk for DeBoer to try and bring him with him to Alabama. Sure. Oh, man. Yeah, I guess what Tommy Reese is on staff right now is the OC. Um, if you can get Ryan Grubb over Tommy Reese, it. You do that all day long. But I, I would guess, and it's just a guess right now, I think it is being reported in a couple places, but Ryan Grubb, uh, probably your probably your next head coach at the University of Washington. Um, I, I want to read one more because I think it's a pretty good point because I saw a poll last night, and it was, okay, the, the Alabama job is still open. Here are four options. Bama fans, which option do you like best? And the poll was like 30 minutes old, so I, I didn't go back and look at the look at the full uh, results. But Dan Lanning had the highest percentage, which dream on Bama. That that's not that's not going to happen. Sarkeesian had the next highest, so it was Lanning, Sarkeesian, and it was Kalen DeBoer. And this text from the 4030 says, "Let's see how far is Sark took the same Washington team, USC and Texas, not as far as Kalen DeBoer." He went farther than TVOW and dominated Phil Knight's mannequin. I think it's a terrific hire, the right hire. The Bama train will keep on rolling. Now, I, I don't think Sark and Kalen DeBoer took over Washington necessarily on the same terms. I, I think Washington was pretty bad, right, when DeBoer took it over. But look what he did with Washington compared to what Sark did with Washington. And I know that Sark is a changed man from his days in Seattle, but one of the other candidates that Alabama fans apparently really wanted, their next head coach did get Washington to a prominent level, 
Sark, man, not not so much when he was there. No, he he didn't. And look, here's somebody that uh, won 25 games and lost three the past two seasons at Washington, which is a place that you know people have won big before, but it's not a regular occurrence for Washington. So uh, I I still believe that this was not Alabama's first choice. But uh, let's see how it works out. I can see where it will be a great hire. I, I, I'm not saying it's a slam dunk not great hire, but uh, I don't think it was their first choice either. Sure. Uh, this text from the 405 says Washington should go after the UNLV head coach. Oklahoma native Barry Odom. Let's go. Let's get him to Washington. Let's get him a uh, Big Ten job after he had the Mizzou job a few years ago. All right, 405-651-3439. You guys know the drill. Hit us up on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get into the latest from the transfer portal and, I don't know, maybe some interesting developments in the 24 class, not in terms of a new name to look out for, but some are starting to say, huh, maybe David Stone should be the highest-ranked player, defensive player in the 24 class. We'll tell you who said that next, get in the portal, all that, right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. 405-651-3439. I got two headsets set up here so I can hear during the break. So sorry, I had to switch headsets there, Josh Helmer. We had to react on the fly there. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line if you want to hop in the show. And the, the latest from the transfer portal right now, I mean, Terrence Ferguson, we found out yesterday, heading to Florida State. That's not a huge surprise. There was a crystal ball yesterday. That happened yesterday. Hayes Fawcett put out the edit. Now, let's stay consistent as to what we said on the show, what, back Monday or Tuesday it sounds like the visit for Zalance Hurd, the offensive line um, portal player from LSU, former five-star, of course, was the highest-rated player in LSU's class. It, it felt like the visit went well. But we also said earlier in the week the, the, more, the, the closer we get to the weekend and he hasn't made a commit, the worse it's probably going to be for OU. And, of course, he took that Tennessee visit last weekend as well. But the more that we get down the week and he hasn't said it's OU, the less and less likely it becomes. I, I don't know, Josh. Like I, I'm kind of at the point now to where it's Friday that I uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I am uh, definitely not starting to feel great about OU's chances with the Zalance Hurd in the portal. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You had the visit so long ago. I mean, a week's time and uh, – Everything sounded like it went great, but then you don't get uh, a decision between then and now. The more thinking that's been involved and obviously another visit along the way elsewhere is uh, probably not a great sign. But from uh, what I've been able to gather from you and Parker, this was always sort of it was going to be tight-lipped until we got a decision. So let's hope the final decision is good news. But uh, I'm with you. My my confidence is not sky high on it. And uh, that's frustrating because if you could add Hurd into the mix here, all of a sudden I think everybody – you know, I, I not to totally gauge the temperature of the fan base, but there's some frustration, of course, with Ferguson. And if you could win this one, then all of a sudden this portal hall, I think the Sooner fan base feels pretty good about it overall. And if you don't – then uh, I think we're going to have some some upset Sooner fans. By the way, Pete Thamel did just tweet out, uh, Kayla DeBoer has, to, uh, has informed Washington officials he's taking the job at Alabama. He's expected to tell the team soon. So there was a report um, about, what, I think just like five minutes ago that a team meeting was coming up at 1.30. So it looks like Kayla DeBoer is indeed 
heading to Alabama to be the next head coach of the Tide. But, yeah, okay, so, so with all that said, and I do agree, especially with that last part there, is you got some nice pieces via the portal, but if you could get someone like Zalance Hurd, no, he hasn't played a lot at this level, but I think that we all recognize the ceiling of a player that he could be. It would make you feel a lot better about OU's portal hall. But if Zalance Hurd is not a part of this portal cycle, then we're probably talking about let's move on to the spring portal cycle, and then we'll kind of evaluate what's out there and what OU's chances are. So th- th- this kind of feels like if OU's going to make one final move this portal cycle, it's probably going to be him. Unless someone from Alabama becomes available, maybe Jim Harbaugh leaves to go to the NFL. I'm just talking about in terms of what's out there right now. How would you feel overall about OU's portal hall if the Lance Hurt is not a part of it and they're done for this portal cycle? I'd feel pretty good. Yeah, I mean, look, they've they've helped themselves, obviously, uh, with a pair, uh, well, you know, a couple of players at positions of need, tight end, offensive line, and uh, Deion Burks is going to be a big-time playmaker at wide receiver for Oklahoma. So overall, I think they've done a pretty good job filling – filling the roster out, but obviously you get that one final blue chip cherry on top in herd, and uh, I think everybody's going to feel just um, yeah. ten times better about what you've done out of the, the portal, even if that's not somebody realistically that steps in tomorrow and plays, though I think, Tyler, if you win that recruiting battle, he's definitely going to compete for time. Sure. Yeah, and, and, and maybe you don't change your thoughts overall about a position group based on what you thought before the portal opened. And after this portal cycle, like, for instance, they get Deion Burks out of Purdue. Well, I already felt pretty good about OU's wide receiver position going into next year. I feel a lot better about it. I I think it's the best position group on the offense next year with Deion Burks. I think he can step in right away, be a starter, and perhaps maybe even be your leading receiver. But if you would have asked me before the portal cycle, Josh, what's your biggest concern for year one in the SEC? I would have said the offensive line. What would I say today as we feel like we're nearing the end of this portal cycle? My answer has not changed. It's offensive line. And maybe I feel a little bit better about it now, seeing as the couple of names that you've added, and a couple of those guys can be starters. But I just don't think anything is going to realistically change for me from now until kickoff. Offensive line's the biggest question mark for me today. And like I said, man, I don't see that changing in 200-plus days either. And if I told you that Fabechi Wiwu, Michael Tarkin, and uh, Spitzer Brown, that of those three, right, that trio, you found two starters. And not just, hey, we found two starters to find two starters. Two legitimate, impactful, uh, above-average starters on the offensive line for Oklahoma. Then how would you feel about the transfer? A lot better. Yeah, no, a lot. And I definitely think that that is a possibility. I I would say most likely – you're talking about um, you're talking about Spencer Brown and the North Texas transfer as as those two guys. Um, I would say Michael Tarquin probably the odd man out of the three if that's going to be the case. But if you tell me that in this portal cycle they got two starters and those two starters are going to be pretty good, and then I don't know what they're going to get in the spring portal cycle because they'll go out and get another offensive lineman or two. I, I feel pretty good about that then I would be – I'd probably be even a little bit happier than where I'm at right now with, with the portal hall. For sure, man. 
But if uh, if we add her to the equation, <laughs> yeah, yeah, then, then you're gonna totally, be feel, yeah. feel pretty good about and, it. And I don't even know if I would look at him as a day one starter. No. I, I mean he he just started one game at LSU. The, the point with him is, I think it would feel nice for everyone. Not that Ole Miss and Tennessee are some blue blood programs, but we know what Ole Miss is doing in NIL, right? And we think we know what Tennessee's doing with NIL as well. To beat those two SEC programs for a former five-star offensive lineman that was the highest-ranked player in LSU's class, LSU recruits at an elite level. Just to have that and have the ceiling of a big-time player on your offensive line and to beat Ole Miss and Tennessee, to, to beat the NIL offers, it would just make everyone feel a lot better, especially after the whole Caden Green saga about a month ago. Sure. It's almost symbolic, in a way, for Oklahoma's path toward – what, what we want it to be, right, which is SEC yeah. championships and national championships, you're going to have to beat the LSU's, Tennessee's, Ole Miss's, and, and Missouri's of the world. It's unbelievable to say Missouri, but you're going to have to beat those programs in moments like this uh, out of the transfer portal on the recruiting trail. So even that angle of it, uh, if it's not an immediate help with Hurd, it just psychologically I think would help the fan base. Um, One other quick note here on the uh, Washington opening, in in case you missed it, Kalen DeBoer reportedly has uh, told the officials there in Seattle, hey, I'm going to Bama, going to take the Bama job, and they're going to have a team meeting here shortly. But Pete Thamel has a short list, a quick list of who could be next in Washington. Lance Leipold is a name mentioned. Oh, that's a good one. Jed Fish is a name mentioned. Matt Campbell is a name mentioned. So there's three names that OU saw this year on the schedule. Ryan Grubb, of course, who we talked about last segment. Barry Odom's at UNLV. Chris Kleiman's at Kansas State. Kyle Whittingham's at Utah. Uh, and then you have Kalani Sataki as well at BYU, who BYU won a good football team last year, just 5-7. and seven. But might, uh, might old Lance Leipold get a call to take the Washington job? And don't you got to leave Kansas to take – Take the Washington job if, if, if it's offered? 100%. It, uh, it's Big Ten money. It's uh, the chance to recruit to a Big Ten program in Washington. It's a it's – a le- I mean, come on. It's a big-time step up from KU. And you know this as well as I and probably everybody listening knows this. He's done a remarkable job at Kansas. How long can you stay at a place like KU and keep getting offers for a place like Washington? Well, I mean, there's another guy on that list that it doesn't have to work out the same way for Lance Leipold as it did for Matt Campbell. But, you know, Matt Campbell's still on this list. Do you think Matt Campbell wishes he would have, you know, taken another opportunity two or three years ago? I I mean, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's just fine being the head coach at Iowa State. I don't know. I don't know his contract situation offhand. But if his goal was to ever win a national championship, then, yeah, he waited too long to leave Ames. And I think you're right. I think that um, even in the new-look Big 12, Lance Leipold could be in jeopardy of, all right, they're making improvements to the football stadium there at Kansas, but is this just a one, two, three-year thing, or can we be can we consistently be competitive moving forward? If they had kept – Andy Kotelnicki away from Penn State, then, then maybe he would think a little bit differently about it. But, I mean, that's a pretty harsh reality of, okay, this is where you're at in the pecking order. This is always where you'll be in the pecking order. So I, I would imagine that factors into some degree. And for Washington, it'll boil down to this. 
do they want the proven head coach like Kleiman, Leipold, Campbell, etc., or Grubb, right, who's the offensive uh, wizard and is very coveted by a number of different programs and will be a head coach, if not at Washington, in short order? Is that what they value? And, and does that keep some continuity in place for Washington? You'd have to imagine it would. Yeah, Lance Leipold and that off, like, that, that's a great point about Kotzelnicki. Because Lance Leipold gets a ton of credit at Kansas, as he should. Look what he did with that program in really a, a short amount of time. But Nicky and that offense, big part of it as well. KU had a fun offense to watch, a really good rushing attack. And not that Lance Leipold won't be successful without him, but that, that, that could be the best OC hire that maybe he ever has, as long as he's in Lawrence, Kansas. I, I think that guy's pretty good. Uh, 918, what is up with OU defensive coordinator not made official statements like what what's up with it not being official i don't know i i would guess paperwork is is the uh is the situation there but we've said this all week i will continue to say it again even though it's been over a week since it's reported you should not be worried about your next defensive coordinator hire zach alley is a norman he has been in norman and that will be your next uh, dc it is so weird though isn't it it's, it is uh... weird it is weird very, very much so. Maybe this has happened elsewhere and we just weren't living it, uh, you know, step by step. But I can't think of another situation where something was reported this far in advance and then it's not formally formalized uh, in a timely manner. I mean, this is the longest wait of any sort of coaching hire like this that I think I can ever remember. Well, I, I look at it this way. Lincoln left on a Sunday morning, right? Wasn't it the following Saturday night when Britt Venables landed in Norman and was introduced as the head coach? And that felt like a so, lifetime. Right, that felt like a lifetime, right? So, like, this has taken longer since it was reported last week than the hiring of Britt Venables, which people tell me that's a week, you tell me that's a week. That was two months, man. I, I, I'm convinced that that was two months off of my life during that time. But, again, don't be concerned if you are. Zach Alley will be the uh, – the next defensive coordinator at OU. I, I wanted to read this quick uh, from Rivals because there's just – there's not a lot going on right now with OU recruiting, especially in the 24 class. Um, there's no new names on the board. It, it kind of feels like at this point it's a greater than 50% chance that what OU's class looks like now, it's not going to change even with the second signing day coming up here shortly. So really the only thing we have to talk about with the 24 class is – how much movement will there be in the upcoming rankings by rivals for those 24 signees? Well, B.J. Brooks, he's, he, he's going to have a new ranking. He's going to be in that rivals 250 because of what he did in Orlando. But he wasn't the only OU signee that had a great week. David Stone was fantastic throughout the week and the game as well. So rivals has the question today, who is the nation's top defensive prospect? And maybe Williams Winery still ends up being the top defensive prospect, but they're at least discussing now, and they will discuss when they do their updated rankings, Josh. Well, okay, we saw Winery. We saw Stone up close. We saw some of these other players. They've got three names mentioned as, okay, when we go back and redo these rankings and update them, who's going to be our top defensive prospect? And it kind of looks like it might be between David Stone and Williams Winery, who Rivals has in their final rankings update for the top defensive player. And – Honestly, I think that's right. It feels like it's sort of been those two all cycle, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it's not like David Stone would go from the number 35 player in the country and he'd go all the way up to number two. Like, he's always been in that mix, but it sounds like he made that decision a, a lot more difficult uh, for what he did in Orlando. And he was he was really good. The Walk It, Talk It award, amongst many, is uh, what he got by some of those out there uh, covering the uh, Under Armour Bowl in Orlando. Uh, all right, 405-651-3439 is the Knippel Meyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to as many texts as we can coming up next, what's going on across the country, and if anything else breaks uh, with this Alabama-Washington situation, we'll let you know. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. By the way, it looks like it's, uh, it's as close to official as possible. Sources are now telling ESPN that Kalen DeBoer will be the next head coach at the University of Alabama. Apparently, Kalen DeBoer's buyout is around $12 million, so Washington maybe has some uh, cash heading their way. But DeBoer, the next head coach at Bama, led Washington to a Pac-12 title this year, college football playoff championship game in just his second season in Seattle. He's won 11 or more games in seven of his nine seasons as a head coach. So we we led that off uh, today, and some of you like it for Bama, some of you not so much. But looks like it's happening. And on November 23rd, when Bama comes to town, Kayla DeBoer will be the head coach of the time. 731 says, hypothetically speaking here, could the wait for Zach Alley's announcement be due to current staff members are going to receive extensions and pay bumps, and OU wants to announce everything at once after the Board of Regents reviews things? Sure. I, I, I mean, like, I'll hear any explanation right now as to why it's been over a week since it's been reported. I believe there is a Board of Regents meeting today. So maybe it's today, Josh Helmer, that we find out officially that Zach Alley is the D.C. And, and then wouldn't the, the Board of Regents would have to approve the Zach Alley hire, too? So yeah. it, now that was not listed on any agenda. So uh, we'll see if that's, yeah, all connected or if that's a separate uh, Board of Regents meeting. That would make sense. I mean, that is a plausible rationale. Yeah, so I today, weekends, early next week, would, I, I don't know, I, who knows the timeline, but again, he's, uh, he's, he's been here looking for homes. He's, he's going to be your next defensive coordinator. And I guess I don't know uh, I, any other way to say, that, to say it. I, I, all of that's true and well and good, but just publicly, officially and formally, I think it's important that this thing gets done before the junior day at the end of the month, which I'm sure it will. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. Uh, okay, Casey Thompson, that was announced last night. It felt like we've been talking about that for two weeks, and he announces his uh, final year of eligibility will be spent in crimson. Uh, how do we feel about this? Like it, love it, hate it? I, I felt initially there was some pushback to the idea of this. Why would we waste a scholarship on Casey Thompson? What's he doing here? He wasn't great at Nebraska. He was 5-7 and seven at Texas. I, I think is. As much as it's kind of been explained, the situation, not having to use a scholarship to get him here, he's going to be a backup quarterback. Sounds like a guy that very much knows his role within the team next year. I think initially it was received like, yeah, I don't know if I like this. And from what I could tell last night, the reaction was, for the most part, pretty positive from the OU side. Is that is that what you've gathered today? I think so, yeah. And I don't know why it wouldn't be somebody that – is capable, if called upon, of 
stepping in and playing a game, right? I mean, that's basically what you want out of a backup quarterback is somebody that theoretically can go out and produce and, and maybe win you a game. Or I liked uh, what the text line said earlier today, Tyler, which was go out and not lose you a game, which, yeah, you know, I, I think Casey Thompson is capable of providing that for Oklahoma. If called upon, let's hope that uh, everything goes according to plan and you don't even have to worry about that. 9-1-A, and I don't think that this, this is any sort of an indictment on, you know, Michael Hawkins Jr., like, oh, the staff must not like Michael Hawkins Jr., the incoming freshman. They, they don't think he's very good if they feel the need to go out and find a portal quarterback. I think this is just a little bit of an insurance move, man. If you felt like you can get him here without a scholarship, it's we like Michael Hawkins Jr. We think, we think he can be a good player in time. I just think that they realize that it's not an ideal situation to be rolling to the SEC and your backup quarterback being a true freshman. Josh, when you're playing and starting a quarterback, who's going to be a true sophomore next year? So that that's how I look at it. I don't it doesn't change my opinion of the team next year. And and we'll see if he has to take some major snaps or not. This to me is just an insurance policy to where your starting quarterback isn't a first-time starter as a sophomore and your backup quarterback isn't a true freshman. That's not a great spot to be in. No, I'm with you. It's uh, somebody that's played Power 5 football and has thrown for over 5,000 yards in his career, 50-some-odd uh, touchdowns. So, look, uh, this is an experienced hand to have in the quarterback room. Yeah, and that's that's what it is, and that's just kind of kind of how I'm looking at it here with uh, Casey Thompson. From the 918s, is it just me, or do you guys feel like Saban didn't give Bama much notice on his retirement because you'd think Bama would have been ready to hire someone immediately if he had. Well, the guy was interviewing defensive coordinator candidates the day before. He was in the SEC coaches teleconference the day of. He was recruiting the day after. Um, do I feel like Saban didn't give Bama much notice on his retirement? <sighs> I, I, I Maybe he told them a, a day or so before, but... It sounds like a lot of people in that building were surprised when that announcement happened. So, yeah, he probably didn't give Bama much notice, but seeing where we're at right now in the offseason, did, did he need to give Bama like a month-long heads up? I mean, they, they still hired a head coach within 48 hours of him retiring. That's, that's pretty good. And they hired one of the – perceived primary candidates, right? Definitely one of the hottest names in the sport, just coached in a national championship game, did DeBoer's. So, no, I, I don't think that he gave them a lot of lead uh, lead on this deal, but uh, you kind of probably had this in the back of your mind as a possibility or have every offseason for the last however many offseasons because guess what? He's 72 years old. He'll be 73 at the end of next October. So you had to, on some level, always be prepared for this. And I just think that – Probably Saban sat down one night with uh, his wife and said, you know what, I, no, I can't go through another year of it. 580, I love the addition of Thompson. We know what it looked like without our starter against Texas. You have an experienced legacy who can come in and win games and help Jackson develop. Win, 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 which is the goal. Yeah, look, um, am I going to feel great about OU's chances to win a game if Casey Thompson has to step in on the road at Auburn or – if he has to try and beat Alabama in late November, or any SEC game for that matter. No, I, I think that OU's chances of winning the game will drop and maybe even drop significantly at that time. It's just you, you got a guy that's, that's, that's played in some big games before, some big environments, and he's not a true freshman. But like I said, Josh, this doesn't totally change 
my opinion of OU's team next year. And honestly, like, it, and this is the case for pretty much anyone in college football, it's not going to be a great situation if he does have to play a big uh, a big role next year. It's just it, it's a lot better than having to play a true freshman in a big time spot. That's that's it. Agreed. It's somebody that uh, has been he's been in the fire. He, he's played at this level and has produced and has you know at least uh, at least one or two couple of really nice games. Yeah. Uh, this texture from the four hundred five says yes, but in comparison to Saban, Stoops was much much smoother. Well, there's a reason for that. Because they had someone on staff that they felt, well, was probably pretty close to maybe taking another job elsewhere. And they felt like they had a really good hire in the building they could just promote from within. But Bama didn't have that. Bama didn't have the obvious offensive coordinator or Kirby Smart as the defensive coordinator they could just promote, Josh. It would have looked a lot smoother for Alabama if they had that in-house. But they had to do a search, unlike when Bob Stoops stepped down. And, uh, you know, the, the Stoops retirement was very, very shocking. So both shocking, but, yes, you had the in-house option of Lincoln Riley. This one kind of felt that maybe Bama got some no's initially, and that, uh, that pressure built a little bit today. But they did get DeBoer before this day was all said and done, and ultimately it happened pretty rapidly. So all things considered, uh, it, it was not bad for Alabama. Yeah, and we'll see if uh, what the fallout looks like, if there is any fallout. They had the five-star wide receiver Ryan Williams decommits. Uh, sounds like he might be taking a visit to Texas A&M, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Portal window now open for Alabama. We'll uh, we'll see if they have to if they have to readjust their roster quite a bit. 405-651-3439 is the text line. We'll wrap up locked in coming up next. Please, Josh, please tell me the 30-plus years of suffering is going to be over for OU basketball fans. I need to check and see if I can find the spread. But please tell me, for the first time since 1993, OU is going to go to the fog and win. Can I, you do I, that? Can you do that for me? I, I would like to be able to do that for you, but I, I don't feel good since they lost to UCF. I'd feel a lot better if they had won that game. Who knows? Uh, maybe we just catch a Kansas team reeling at the wrong time, right? Yeah, maybe. But, God, doesn't it feel like this is – Bill Self's time to, eh, should have lost to TCU. Eh, did lose to UCF. That's not a good loss. And then they roll off 10 of the, of the next 11. They end up winning the Big 12, and this is where they get hot. Yeah. So KU losing on Wednesday night. OU not playing well away from Norman the past couple of games. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be a tall, tall task, just like it has for the past 30-plus years, 1993, the last win. But, hey, let's go win it for Ryan Miner. Let's go win it for yes. Ryan Miner. Win it for Ryan Miner tomorrow in the fog. Uh, 2025 rankings, again, like we're kind of on to 2025 for OU football recruiting, and they've got a big recruiting month, uh, or excuse me, a big recruiting junior day coming up uh, two weeks from tomorrow. And as it sits right now, OU's got nine commits. You guys probably know about that. They're way ahead of the change as opposed to the past two years. The number five class right now in the 2025 rankings. Notre Dame's got the number one class. LSU's got the number two class. Bama's got the number three class. Ohio State at four. Oklahoma at five. Then you've got Auburn at six, Georgia at seven. So no surprise in this league, Josh. It's way too early to even – Maybe even mention the rankings in 2025 that we just did it. But there's five SEC teams in the top seven in mid-January. And guess what? Once we get to December of next year, 
yeah, don't be surprised if there's five of the seven teams in the top seven SEC teams on signing day. That's, that's just how it works in this new conference, man. Yeah, no doubt. And it's why uh, you have to have these elite top five, top ten recruiting classes, and you have to stack them. To, to be successful in that league, there's just no uh, other way about it. So Oklahoma's off to a great start. And like you said, it's, it's a, a different path for Oklahoma because, I mean, what? We had to commit in this class before the 24 class. Yeah. Uh, we've got some updates. I'm going to try to get this in quick before uh, we get to the rush. OU Board of Regents meeting uh, raises for coaches. Todd Bates' new contract runs through the 26th season, so he gets a one-year extension. Todd Bates' salary is now 700000 per year. Uh, Biedenboe has a year added to his contract through 25. He will make eight seventy a year. He got a $50,000 raise. And then Brandon Hall has a year added to his contract through the 25 season. Hall gets a big boost in salary, according to Eric Bailey. He'll make 500 k a year. He got a $150,000 raise after uh, this season. So some more uh, raises are coming out from this OU Board of Regents meeting. And anything uh, breaking that happens there, we'll let you know coming up in the next hour of The Rush. Appreciate Josh for sliding in this hour. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.